You're listening to episode 19 of the Divine Nobodies podcast. Namaste. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining the Divine Nobody's podcast. I'm your host, Eric Ajna, joined by my fellow associate in crime, Jennifer <laughs> Lynn. How you doing, Jen? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing, doing, doing really well. We have a really special guest in the studio today. We're going to do it a little different. We're going to yeah. do it a little different. It actually kind of goes along the lines of what we're talking about today, but we usually talk about these sort of spiritual thing things, but we haven't actually touched on this very subject, which I'm actually really interested in, so are you. Yeah which is the subject of food. Yeah, I yeah. love food. And if you were me last weekend, I ate a lot of food, Jen. Yeah? Yeah, I ate a lot of different food and had a really, really good time. But this is something <laughs> that we've been kind of uh, talking back and forth uh, on the podcast for quite some time, which is just kind of the diet and nutrition. And we haven't been able to find um, really anybody that can help us sort of wax poetic on the subject. Yeah. But we have a really, really beautiful young lady in the studio with us today, and she's going to um, go over some really amazing things with us. So we have an anti-diet dietitian. I love that. Yeah. She's certified intuitive eating counselor, the founder of Food, Body, and Soul, where she, keep, where she helps women leaders and light workers overcome disordered eating, body shaming, so they can create the impact they're made for in life and business. I like it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, please welcome Tyler Rowling. Tyler, how you doing? Hello. I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much for spending the time uh, sharing space with us. Yeah. It's really, really great to have you in for whatever reason. And I think we talked about this for the podcast. I thought she was in Florida. Yeah. And I was just like, huh, well, there's obviously a time difference there. Yeah. We were trying to figure it out. I was like, okay, that that's going to be a three hour time difference. What time do we start? Every time we do, it's going to be late. And then she's like, oh, I'm actually in San Diego. And I was like, whoa, but I'm from Florida. Yeah. Right. So we're just yeah, like, that's, total psychic moment. Yeah. yeah. Total, total, awesome. total psychic <laughs> moment. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Yeah. We, we, if, if you've listened to our podcast before, we talk about a lot of spiritual themes. And um, mm -hmm. the one thing that we just haven't really made an emphasis on is when it comes to diet. I mean, I've been a vegetarian mm -hmm. for about eight years and um, vegan off and on throughout that process. And I even actually uh, went raw for a while. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. that. You went raw? For like a year. Oh, it didn't work out. hard. Me. Yeah, it's hard because I missed cooking. Yeah. yeah. Missed cooking. But, you know, that's something me and Jen are really, really... Um, you know, really good about is nutrition and diet. But I wanted to bring you on and just see if we can kind of pick your brain on a few things. Um, one, just really about what it is that you do. Maybe can you help us yeah. kind of narrow that down? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know it, it. it's a little confusing when you hear like anti-diet dietitian, you know, what does that even mean? Yeah. Or what is intuitive eating? And I'm not sure. Have you guys heard of intuitive eating before? I have never heard of intuitive eating. Is it? I imagine it's like eating. I, I imagine you have to like really listen to your body, and yes. and and only eat either when you're hungry or maybe like not eat more than you should. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean that. Yeah, that seems like the most reasonable. Yeah, the most reasonable thing. Yeah. Intuitive eating, as in you know, just not mindlessly sitting in front of the TV eating food, right? Yeah. 
practices of that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a facet of it. And I think with intuitive eating, a lot of people know it as the eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full sort of thing. Yeah. And that's certainly a part of it, but there's so many more other layers and facets to Mm -hmm. our relationship to food and our bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, and are you all familiar with diet culture? Diet culture. When I think of diet culture, I just think of just all the different types of diets there are out there. Yeah. That produce a certain type of result. Oh my God. There's so many diets. I mean, you've gone on some (laughs) diets, right? I mean, (laughs) I did like the 80, 10, 10 thing for a while. Yeah. I did the blood type diet. The blood type, with the blood type diet? Yeah. Yeah. What's that? And uh, it actually really did work. So I don't know. There's something to it. Yeah. You, there's certain foods that, um, for your blood type and I'm O negative. So there's a lot of, um, it's basically paleo for, um, O negative people. Oh, so. Yeah, interesting. No, I've never no heard dairy, of that. no grains. Is that what the is that what diet culture is? Yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll kind of explain more in the, the nicest way possible when we talk about dieting because we're so we're like fish swimming in this bowl of diet culture, right? We yeah. just don't even realize how certain things can perpetuate diet culture, diet culture being that noise that constantly surrounds us, Mm -hmm. telling us what we should or should not be eating. So it doesn't even have to be that you went on a diet. It Mm -hmm. literally is just the constant influx of information that we receive about what to eat, what not to eat, Mm -hmm. and how it can perpetuate feelings of guilt and shame um, and fat phobia and body dysmorphia, disordered eating. Mm -hmm. um, And really what we're trying to get at the root of intuitive eating is are you coming from a place of self-compassion and Mm. self-care or is it coming from this part of you that feels like you're not enough or that you're a bad person if you do something something so therefore you need to do this yeah um yeah so it's almost like yeah. it's almost like the idea that a diet even exists almost kind of implies that this person isn't enough, isn't doing enough as they are, right? right. It's almost like a outsourcing that very behavior yes. that the body and the mind should intuitively already know how to do if they're in tune with the body, I imagine, right? Yeah, I mean, just like people that have food food allergies and sensitivities, if if you're li- if you're listening to your body, you notice that every time you eat dairy or eat cheese, that you get a stomach ache. Like yeah. maybe I shouldn't eat that. But then right. you know, people may love pizza and yeah. and eat it, you know, three mm-hmm. times a week and yeah. ignore those signs that their body is giving them. There's actually this uh, funny thing, just completely non-related, but it's it's regarding food. When someone was like, a relationship is kind of like pizza. Yeah. And I was like, really? And they're like, you know, when it's good, it's like really, really good. But when it's bad, it, but, but when it's bad, it's still pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you will oh say that God, about sex I too. Love that. That's, so good. That's great, right? Yeah. So my, I think you can relate pretty much anything to pizza. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And if anybody tells love you they don't it. like pizza, then they don't like fun. That's just how it goes. Exactly. I am right there with you. Yeah. But I, I think that's, imagine that's what, yeah. um, sort of diet culture is it's like we're being bombarded i imagine through like things like a mainstream media um they set the standard obviously as to kind of where people should be and so these diets exist in an attempt to try and get people to these sort of places where these impossible standards exist right exactly you know which have shifted quite a bit like in the last 10 years we went from that like heroin chic you know kate Mm -hmm. moss real thin to now like Mm -hmm. kim kardashian you know more 
more of a figure and a booty and you yeah. know it's it's interesting how the trends in the fashion has kind of changed yeah. people's relationship with food yeah. yeah but even then we're still seeing that you know if you were to survey people the majority of them are going to say that they want to lose weight even mm. if they're mm. at even if they look like Kim Kardashian or whatever, they will uh-huh. still answer that they, now what we're seeing more so, it's not so much the lose weight, but it's, I want to be toned oh. or I want a big mm. butt. Yeah. I want, and these beauty standards that, you know, they're changing throughout history, right? As we said before, it used to be that heroin chic and now it's the more full figured, but yeah. underlying all of it is that the, who you are isn't enough. Mm -hmm. and that you need to change that and Mm -hmm. that there's something wrong with you Mm -hmm. when really we are all born worthy of love and belonging. You know, the core essence of who we are is divine. It is Mm -hmm. love. It is presence. It is intuitive. And we, we start to lose touch with that when we start relying on external cues and external validation for the things that are already within us. And I know you know, this goes, another part of the work that I do involves inner child healing Mm. around food and body image, because Mm. a lot of the messages we received about food and body started at a young age. Mm. And so, um, yeah, there was actually this, this, this article that I um, read, um, just the other day that said about eight out of 10, 10 year olds have a fear of being overweight. No, 10, yeah. Yeah. 10 years old. Yeah. And then 80, yeah. 80, oh 80 percent. I mean, it could be wrong, but it's, it was a substantial number like 80% of younger yeah. children have this sort of phobia of yes. being overweight. And where does that come mm-hmm. from? Right. It, it has to come from social media because yeah. we weren't raised yeah. with social media. Like we weren't right. even raised. Yeah. I mean, there were still pay phones whenever I was 10 years old, you know, yeah. we didn't have cell phones. Um, and I think that has so much to do with it. Cause I, at 10 years totally. old, that was the furthest thing from my mind was body image or how I looked. Yeah. You yeah, know, the accessibility yeah. now I think is, is definitely doing that because yeah. there's lots of people that, you know, if you're, even if you're the less restrictions now, they have like the TikTok, the Instagram and mm-hmm. everybody's using it. Yeah. And I even go on Instagram and it's hard to avoid the influencers. I mean, um, Mm-hmm. You 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 go on and you see really really handsome men. You see really really beautiful women. And I imagine you know that younger generation is seeing that inf- is, is seeing that sort of the, yeah. that imagery. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So Nobody wants like, to be a doctor anymore. They want to be an influencer. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. I guess it depends on their message. You know? <laughs> as long as the message is good and you know coming from a place of love, but yeah. Yeah. So what do you what do you think as far as um, what people experience as children? Um, yeah. How does that sort of manifest for them? Yeah. So, well, a lot of the work that I do with clients when we kind of dive into inner child work. Um, is what was your parents' relationship to food? Was your mom constantly dieting? Um, Was she body shaming herself? Because even if our parents weren't directly criticizing us, we we can internalize the way that they speak to themselves. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if your mom is talking very negatively about her body all the time and how discontent she is and unhappy she is, children, we're like sponges, you know, and we, we like to, um, well, the world revolves around us, right. Mm -hmm. Which is totally normal as the ego and all that. 
but we can internalize it as, oh, it's my fault. Or like, I also in that way, or that is something that is scary. Um, does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah that makes perfect yeah, sense. Absolutely. And, yeah. and, I, and I think the same goes with kids nowadays. I mean, I don't work with children, mm. but more so someone's inner child and what their experience was, which I can only imagine that children now, and like you guys said, because of social media and all the messages that they're receiving around um, body image, yeah. foods to eat, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Kids I mean, are, in their, I guess their, their, their most potent developmental stages, I think happen between zero to like, I want to say eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I mean, especially millennial culture where I feel like there aren't a whole lot of, I mean, there, there are not as much as when, when we were younger, where it, both family members are working. Right. Parents don't have a whole lot of time to raise their children. So you know, they either throw, you know, iPads out to them or just different other devices for them to sort of essentially in some ways raise themselves, Yeah. you know? Yeah. And at the same time, I mean, I'm just, I'm not generalizing, but there's so many different aspects, right? Kind of like what you're totally. talking about where it's like you have, you can have uh, either almost like a narcissistic parent that like yeah. tells mm-hmm. you how to look yeah. and what to mm-hmm. wear. Oh, absolutely. And obviously I imagine that influences the way that you grew up and see yourself, which I think fundamentally at the very core is you don't feel like you're enough. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and how does that sort of manifest itself as, as they get older? Yeah. You know? Well, it's kind of this constant pursuit of weight loss yeah. mm-hmm. um, or, you know, jumping from diet to diet. Yeah. Um, when really what's happening is that at the core of it, is this um, lack of trust in oneself, mm-hmm. which we are all born as intuitive eaters. Mm-hmm. We weren't born with diet mentality. That was mm-hmm. programming from diet mm-hmm. culture and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and patriarchy ties into it as well. But we were born, kids are the most intuitive eaters ever. You know, you eat when you're hungry, you stop when you're full. Mm-hmm. Um And at some point along the lines, whether it was clean your plate mentality, Mm -hmm. how many of us grew up at the dinner table and we had, we were forced to eat our entire plate in order to get dessert. That's one way that we're disconnecting from our bodies because Mm -hmm. we're, we're not honoring our bodies. We're actually trying to force food in our mouths, even if we're full. Um, So that's an example of how we start to disconnect from our intuition and from our bodies. or if it's starting to use exercise as some form of like punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, as kids loved playing outside and wasn't thinking about burning calories or any of that, or if it was gonna tone my tush or whatever, <laughs> it was like, this is just fun. Like this is yeah. so fun, which is right. another part of the work that I do. We talk about joyful movement versus exercise as punishment because then somewhere along the lines, we were given this information that exercise had to be this like, it was for weight loss. Right. It was for weight loss. It was to tone. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about feeling. I mean, I take that back. Some exercise, they do promote, oh, you're going to feel good. Mm-hmm. But that that's not the real, the primary message that we're getting. We're getting yeah. the lose weight, look mm-hmm. good, right. so you can be loved or so you can be accepted. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's like, why don't we tap into the movement and the foods that bring us satisfaction? Right. 
without like feeling the guilt of of indulging in those things. Yeah, for sure. Because that's something that I, I mean, when I was younger, I want to say in my early twenties, I, I wasn't really overweight, but I was, and I had a lot of guilt, um, over my weight. And of course, you know, when I was uh, in high school, I mean, children, can be very vocal about that sort of thing. Yes, they you know? can. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I went through that whole process of like not feeling like I was good enough and shaming myself. Yeah. So it was yeah. obviously a disconnect between me, obviously, and my spirit as well, which also was a catalyst yeah. to my spiritual journey, where it's just like, obviously, mm-hmm. there's a disconnect between your mind and your heart. Yeah. yeah. You know? And an interesting thing is I actually was hanging out with... Um, a 10 year old over the weekend she was actually my niece and the one thing that i noticed about about her is that they didn't i don't know if this goes for every single child but i noticed that she never overate yeah she only ate enough yeah, yeah. and even if it wasn't really a whole lot yeah, yeah. you know what i she mean she just ate enough for her yeah enough i had that i i totally grew because i grew up in the south and there's just a, a different mentality there and it's a very much clean your plate mentality mm-hmm. and that has stuck with me and my weight has fluctuated so much as the years go on and the portions have become so much larger yeah so whenever i was eating food as a child the portions weren't as big so cleaning the plate wasn't necessarily an issue yeah. but i never got rid of that like not wanting yeah. that feeling of not wanting to waste yeah. you know and now yeah. as an adult i i will overeat and eat myself completely like yeah. uncomfortably mm-hmm. full mm-hmm. um because of that so now my I, I try to do this, especially when we go out to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremy and I will either split something, or if I order something on my own, I'll have I'll get a to-go container right away and put half of the food in there. Because mm-hmm. if I let it on, if I let it sit on my plate, I'll eat it all. Yeah. So, so it's almost like at some point when we get older, the ego kind of starts to get in the way of a natural process. Yeah. Right. right. 100%. And then we start yep. psyching ourselves up with all these different things and requirements that we need to make. And it, then it starts to, it ceases to be about food, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So what got you into this, this type of work? Like, what was your experience like growing up? Was it, was this something that you kind of went through? Yeah. So, you know, ironically growing up, I didn't have any disordered eating. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until I graduated from high school and I'll kind of dive a little bit into my story, but growing up, I was a competitive synchronized swimmer from the age of seven until I graduated high school. That was kind of my life. Um, I was born into a body that was genetically just smaller, mm-hmm. thinner. Yeah. Um, and I was one of those kids that literally I couldn't eat enough because it, I felt like I was losing weight. As I was growing. Yeah. So it was like, I would just eat everything all the time. I had the worst mm-hmm. eating habits. I ate like five honey buns for lunch with like, a, it was awful. Yeah. Like sun kiss soda, all the things. Uh-huh. Um, and then when I was graduating high school, shit kind of hit the fan. Excuse my language. Oh, I don't no. know if it goes no, 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 it's, it's, it's okay. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we got plenty of those. Um, <laughs> and um, I thought I was going to college for synchronized swimming, but that fell through. My mom was severely alcoholic. Mm-hmm. My dad, I grew up and he was very controlling, very overbearing. Yeah. Grew up in the church too. So there was a lot of guilt and shame around sexuality and 
you know, being a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, And when the divorce happened, my dad just like completely, he was out of the picture. So he went from being super controlling to just like absent. Mm -hmm. And my mom fell even worse into her alcoholism. Mm -hmm. So I ended up not going to college for synchronized swimming. And I was formed a completely codependent relationship with my mom. I was totally disconnected from myself. I felt totally abandoned, lost. And I started turning to partying Mm. and food. And I ended up gaining, I don't like to talk about pounds because it's all relative, but Mm. I basically gained a bunch of weight and Mm it was the one thing in my life that I thought I could control Mm -hmm. while everything else was a shit show. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started like hyper-focusing on food, counting calories, starting to use exercise to manipulate my body Mm -hmm. um, and getting caught in this binge restriction cycle Mm -hmm. because I would be restricting my food intake. And of course, physiologically, when you restrict food, your body is going to, obsess more about food so that often leads to binging and on top of you being hungry and denying your hunger that's right um i mean that's happened to me whenever i i resist something just makes me want it even more exactly and it's almost like it's almost like human behavior yeah and then the ego kind of starts to intervene and it's like well which 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 is i mean if you were to pick i mean you're not really thinking about it but like what is worse like just eating a slice of pizza or the amount of stress that you put through your body yeah, by exactly. trying to go through and wax poetic in this process of yes. trying to make deals with yourself or talking yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I imagine that adds a whole lot of stress to the body. Just sitting there constantly worrying about whether or not you should eat something. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's that's what got me to study nutrition and become mm-hmm. a dietitian is my own disordered eating and compulsive exercise. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it wasn't until my senior year when I was graduating from mm-hmm. Florida State. So grew up in Tallahassee, Florida. Also, it's more like the South because I lived an hour from Georgia. Oh, um, Jen's from the South too. Yeah, yeah. I'm from yeah. Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you from? Texas, from Houston. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Jen's from Texas, and so are are her exes. Yeah. All my exes (laughs) live in Texas. Texas. I hang my hat in California. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Jen just Uh, actually came back from Texas, and she saw a UFO, just non-related. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, and we got a good video, so yeah, you'll have to check out our Instagram and see the video. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the type of work that you do, um, and, and I want to kind of, I'm really interested in the body shaming piece. I imagine the people that mm-hmm. reach out to you probably undergo a lot of that, uh, either yes. maybe at the hands of other people or even just sort of that inward dialogue that they do or, or yeah. make with themselves. Yeah. Oftentimes it's within themselves that it's like the worst. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And Usually it started in adolescence or in college. Mm -hmm. So my clients are primarily women, like mid-20s to Mm mid-40s. And 
they kind of have had this history of not being at peace with food or mm-hmm. not feeling enough in their body. So they jump yeah. from diet to diet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So what do you think is one yeah. of the main issues about the, about dieting? Because I mean, if I were to go online and just look at, I mean, a diet, it seems very innocent. Yeah, right? it does. Like they give it, you this it sort of can curriculum. seem so innocent. Yeah. And oftentimes it does start off like that. Mm. Um, but what it does is it disconnects us from our bodies. Right. It disconnects us from our inner wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that totally that makes, sense. makes sense. And it's almost like I, I attribute it also to, to Western culture, which is like, like you're saying when you're children, you're in school, the whole curriculum is you are relying on a lot of other people mm-hmm. to tell you what it is that you should be either believing or studying. I mean, you're judged and you're separated, you know, by your peers based off of the grades and how how well you compete in that sort of arena. So I imagine it's just a part of like that Western culture, which is automatically just very polarizing and divisive. So I imagine like as we get older, we start to almost over-identify with this whole idea that there's something out there that will make me happy and it's not going to come from within. And so I imagine yeah. when we go and we go down the route of like health and, and well-being, that kind of reveals itself as like going online and trying yes. to find all these other methods of, you know, getting, yep. uh, you know what I mean? I couldn't have explained it better. That's a perfect yeah. example. Yeah. yeah. So I have some questions around, I want to ask you some questions about like the fad diets that are going on right now. So let's start Mm. with intermittent fasting because that seems to be the most popular. Um, What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, so anytime we talk about a diet, whether it's intermittent fasting, keto, if it fits your macros, Mm -hmm. I always want to ask, what is your motive for going on it? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you think the number one answer is? I want to lose I weight. I want to lose weight. I want to look skinny. Yeah. Bingo. That's it? Mm-hmm. Bingo. Wow. Um, majority, it's weight loss. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Diets don't work. There's over a 90% failure rate of, of weight gain after a, after a diet. Mm-hmm. That's true. Diets yeah. are built to fail. Yeah. So this is another thing with diet cultures. It makes us feel like we're the bad person that we did something wrong when really it's diets were built to fail. There's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. It's, like it's you the can't... diet itself. It's diet culture. Yeah. And so it's, we could talk all the science. We could do all the things with diets, you know, um, and trust me, there's dietitians out there that will, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, we have to look at what are our motives behind it? What is driving our behavior? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. that is what we want to target. We don't want to target the behavior itself. We want to target what is motivating the behavior, the belief system. Absolutely. So we want to get down to the core of, yeah. I'm not, so I, I've never been a question. huge, yeah, yeah. I've never been a huge dieter um, because I ascribe to the belief that nothing beats healthy eating choices and exercise. <laughs> like it works every time, yeah. 100% success rate if you do it, you know? Um, yeah. It's the issue is that people make such poor choices whenever they're choosing food, things with a ton of preservatives um, that are high in fat, high in cholesterol, high in sugar, mostly high in sugar, yeah. um, you know, and the sugar addiction is so real. Yeah, there's so many different things. Yeah, there's you know? so many I mean, things. You can think of like socioeconomic status and you have these families that, 
have yeah. you know, five yeah. or six children and they don't have yeah. the money to go and what they imagine healthy looks like yeah. is really just about education. I mean, a lot of people think it's just about like, okay, well, it's about money, you know, because the cheapest option is to go to like a fast food place and just spend 100%. A yeah. very little, but yeah. you know, I think it just, it comes down to just awareness and education. I, I actually, yeah. um, I do intermittent fasting, but the interesting mm -hmm. thing is when I started doing it, it wasn't for... Um, losing weight, I wanted to see uh, how it would deepen my meditation practice, like mm, in my spiritual yeah. practice, because yeah. I, and, and also at the same time, I wanted to, and this was, I think one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on, because I think it kind of goes along the line of um, kind of how I've been looking at it, which is breaking out of society's um, very, very structured, very orthodox way of very systematic way of how they look at um, how we consume food. And that is mm -hmm. like having three square meals a day, which is like breakfast. Everybody eats breakfast at a certain time. They eat lunch at a certain mm -hmm. time, dinner at a certain time. It's just very, like I know people that even though they're not hungry, they'll still have lunch just because 12 o'clock PM yeah. comes. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so they're kind of conditioned and programmed into doing things at a specific time without listening to whether or not their body actually really needs that. So mm -hmm. I wanted to test it out and see, do I really need this much food? Yeah. And mm -hmm. so I narrowed it down to one really, really large meal per day. Mm -hmm. And that works for me. Yeah. You That's know? great. And if it works for you, yeah. like I'm not here to bash anyone who's on a diet or chooses to do, use intermittent fasting yeah. um, or if it fits your macros. But really what I'm more concerned about is the health of your, your emotions yeah. <laughs> and yeah. how you're relating to your body. And if you're tuned in to your intuition and yeah. honoring yourself um, and it's coming from this place of self-care and self-compassion right. um, because yeah. you mentioned this before, the stress that someone can get from dieting alone isn't yeah. really talked about. Um, yeah, and that's what I see. Being it. at peace, just be at peace. That's all, like, <laughs> that's really what I want. I just yeah. want people to be at peace with the food and peace with their bodies, yeah. Yeah, I agree, and, I, yeah. and that's what I think. I don't think really that I'm intermittent fasting when I do this sort of thing. I think it's just, like you say, it's just sort of an intuitive attention that I have to my body, and it's just what it needs. Yeah, You know, mm -hmm. there are some there people that need more and there's some people that don't, but I, I think, um, maybe people get into a lot of trouble when they start to over intellectualize the process of yes. a natural movement yeah. inside of the body. Right. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, one thing that I feel like our community struggles with, because like you said, you started to fast to deepen your meditation practice. Yeah. And that's something really common that I see um, in this community. And people mm -hmm. will go for a week at a time fasting and, and those mm -hmm. sorts of things. I don't know if you if you guys remember David Blaine doing that like a uh, glass box stunt and he fasted for 44 days, 44 days. Yeah. He didn't eat for 44 days. Oh, wow. And, um, as a result of that, um, he has kidney damage from that. I oh, mean, really? your body is really not built to fast that long. Mm -hmm. So just something, right. um, something I, I am, I'm an advocate for doing you right. Yeah. Um, but also be aware that, you know, whenever you fast for extended period of time, 
for an extended period of time that you are doing permanent damage to your organs. So yeah. careful with so that. Just be mindful. I mean, yeah, be mindful of that. Intermittent fasting, yeah. of course, isn't going to do it, but um, you know, fasting for a week, two weeks at a time. I mean, you're metabolically changing your body, and that's not a. Yeah. That's yes. not safe. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's just because yeah, we don't want to say, oh, I'm just listening to my intuition and you just don't eat for days and days and days and days and days and 44 <laughs> days, whatever. Yeah, um, cool. yeah, no, I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah, yeah. So one star, one star, not recommended. So my, yeah. my intuition told me that I only needed to eat one time this month. <laughs> yeah, right. so, yeah, oh yeah. I would save and so much money. Honestly, if I the likelihood of that really being the case is pretty slim. Like our bodies are super wise. And yeah. 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 There was like some, unless you're like a wandering ascetic in like Rishikesh, India, there were actually some um, sadhus that like, there was a, I think there was a guy that hadn't eaten in like four years, but he's all working off of purely prana energy. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Give me some of that, please. Yeah, I know, right? Just like that life force energy just moving through. You know, that I, sounds amazing. Yeah. I've always wondered this about fasting too, and I'll ask you since you're the expert, but um, there was a study that um, that a, uh, a man in Japan won the uh, Nobel Peace Prize over, um, and it was it had to do with fasting, which is what kind of like brought intermittent fasting into popularity. And um, part of this study, and this may have been a different study, I may be confusing this with something else, so don't, okay. maybe somebody fact check me on this, but um, uh, the, uh, they did this study with gorillas. So they mm. let some gorillas just eat whatever they wanted to eat. And then the other subset of gorillas, um, they put on like a fasting calorie restriction. So they restricted their calories by 35% over their lifetime. Yeah. And obviously, those gorillas live longer and were in better shape. Yeah. And it just makes me wonder, like, I, I mean, calorie, calorie, if you restrict your calories at 35% for the rest of your life, of course, you're going to be, have a lower body weight and potentially be healthier because yeah. we just, as a society have, have a, have a, just are overeaters. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't, what are, what are your thoughts on that? On just like overall calorie yeah. restriction? Is it yeah. really, is it really the intermittent fasting or is it the fact that you're restricting your daily calories by, you know, 25%? Yeah. And I think that that kind of comes back to being out of touch with your body too, right? Mm -hmm. There's kind of how we were talking about before, we are born to kind of eat the right amount for ourselves, mm -hmm. but it's things, and we can talk about restricting, but also the overeating side of it mm -hmm. and the emotional eating part of it. Right. Um, so even stepping away from the calorie counting itself is going to be helpful because again, you're dropping out of your mind and into your body. It's not even about the calories. It's mm -hmm. about, it's about the emotions behind the food. It's about, you know, the satisfaction that comes from the food, but not, and when I say that people get confused and they think, oh, well, that just means I'm gonna eat a bunch of cheeseburgers and French fries <laughs> and like junk food. Cause that's yeah. what brings me pleasure. And it's like, yeah. so maybe to a certain degree that would happen, mm -hmm. but if they had been restricting themselves from it and they actually enjoyed, I'm going to use hot Cheetos as an example. Oh, I love okay. hot Cheetos. 
Me too. (laughs) And let's say someone restricts hot Cheetos and pizza. Then they love pizza. They love hot Cheetos. And then when they finally, there's going to be a time when you quote unquote lose willpower, when really it's nothing about willpower. Um, And they end up binging. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know we talked about socioeconomic status. That's a whole nother realm. But really what I'm talking more about here is there's so much masculine in the in diet culture and how we relate to food. It's very masculine approach mm-hmm. of counting, of timing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's rigidity around mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah. Versus tapping more into that feminine of the fluidity and that intuition part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we we want to have a balance, right? But right now there's definitely um, this imbalance between the masculine and feminine with food mm-hmm. and counting calories and restricting calories. When I would even challenge, I would challenge that by saying, if we are truly eating intuitively, we're probably going to eat the right amount of calories for mm-hmm. our bodies anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we won't need to restrict because mm-hmm. we are that in tune with what's going on. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that makes sense. And and I think I'm glad that you mentioned the fact that there's that it's a really um, masculine type of process, right? It's very when I think of like overly masculine, obviously because men are. I mean, I'm coming. I'm also a man. You know, like we we it's almost like men are like a really straight line and women are sort of like a wave. And I think it's kind of like yeah. what Jameson kind of talked yeah. about it, right? Is that we're, we're about very that. about how do you solve a specific type of problem? Mm-hmm. And I think it, what comes up for me when it comes to how people go about the process of eating is it, it's, it, it ceases to be about the food and it becomes more of a superficial thing where they're trying to preserve some image or some avatar that they have of themselves and it's almost like the food becomes secondary. And it's like we mentioned before at the beginning of the podcast, which is a lot of this is driven by our peers. A lot of this is driven by mainstream media. A lot of this mm-hmm. is driven by social media is, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's hard to not fall into that because when you're on Instagram and you're going through some of these posts, you can't help but in some ways compare yourself to these other people mm-hmm. and try and check in with yourself and say like, mm-hmm. okay, well, where am I at in this sort of pyramid of mm-hmm. people and it can be really easy to get hard on yourself. And I, I imagine that's where pretty much the body shaming comes in. Yes. So instead of being in tune with my body, I'm, mm-hmm. lo- I'm systematically looking at food as this, this thing that could either bring me into the space of being thin or the space of being overweight. Yeah. I'm not looking at it in like a nourishing way. Right. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I imagine that's yeah. that's kind of that that that's that's kind of I think what our society is into. It's almost like food is an inconvenience in some yeah. ways, right? It's an inconvenience, but it's also um, a, a social time too. Yeah. <laughs> like we, I, I know that I do this especially use food as um, as a way to meet up with someone. Like, hey, do you want to get lunch? Do you want to get dinner? And then oh, you're yeah. socially eating, and yeah. you know that's. And that's okay. And sometimes, that's a, well, but I'll eat yeah, and drink things that I wouldn't normally eat or drink because they're there. And I feel, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. That's like, I wouldn't yeah. normally eat or drink that at home. But now that I'm at a restaurant, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll have that. 
Yeah, it's like the same as like eating in front of the TV. Yeah. There's something sort of diverting your, and I feel like that's a little different, you know? I think there's like a really special moment to be had when you're sharing a meal with somebody else, mm-hmm. you know? But I think yeah, it's just sure. maybe we're talking about the whole process of how hard we get on ourselves when it comes to the decisions that we make with food, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And we're all emotional eaters, mm-hmm. by the way. I think emotional eating gets a bad rap because mm-hmm. you just... I always think of the picture of the girl that got broken up with and she's got the gallon of ice cream and she's sobbing (laughs) and she's just like, ah, you know, it's like, that's what emotional eating is. But no, like every decision that we make in our lives, it comes from emotion. We like Mm -hmm. to think it's logic, Mm -hmm. but it's really emotional. And the same thing goes with food. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's something that we need to embrace. And it's something that, Instead of looking at, you know, when did food become the enemy? When did our bodies become the enemy? Yeah. It's like. That's a great point. Yeah. You know, when did we lose touch with the, the sacredness of our bodies and our relationship to food and how it nourishes us mm-hmm. and fuels us? And, you know, a lot of times people get confused when I say kind of my motto is give yourself unconditional permission to eat the foods you want and empower yourself with the knowledge to do so. Mm. Yeah. And people assume as an anti-diet dietitian that I would just promote you eat a bunch of junk food and all the, but no, no, no. We, we talk about nutrition and we talk about how to, you know, nourish yourself but we go there once we have unraveled and peeled off all of the layers that those self-limiting beliefs around food, um, the toxic masculine sort of approach to mm-hmm. food and body mm-hmm. to get to the core of who you really are. So then you can start relating to food mm-hmm. in a way that is empowering for you. Cause it's going to be different for all of us. It's not one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. Okay. Well, I have another question. All right. So I want to hear your thoughts on, um, because I think that this is the highest level of emotional eating is um, veganism. So people Mm. emotionally don't eat meat because of the animals. So um, from a health standpoint and from uh, just a food relationship standpoint, what are are your Mm. thoughts on that? Yeah. So with veganism there's you know it's funny i never tied it with emotional eating but it's certainly emotional i always think of like the ethics mm-hmm. behind it mm-hmm. but of course those beliefs are tied to emotion so it's going to be emotional for folks mm-hmm. um and i think that again going back to that point of when we when we choose to eat something mm-hmm or not eat something. Yeah. Is it coming from a place of compassion? Is it Mm. coming from a place of gratitude? Is it coming from a place of love? Mm. Because you can feel that it feels very much expansive, you know, Mm -hmm. that when we come from that place versus if we're choosing to eat something or not eat something because the primary emotion that is fueling that is guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And you can feel how that feels, you know, restricted and closed off. So someone, there could be, you could have two vegans, Mm -hmm. right? One vegan is choosing to eat and not eat certain foods, but Mm -hmm. is being fueled by overwhelming feelings of guilt and shame Mm -hmm. versus someone who chooses to be vegan and and is and is not eating certain foods, but it is coming very much from this place of compassion and wanting to better the world and um, Mm. more of those positive vibrations, really. Uh, I've seen this in real life. I've seen this happen. I knew a girl that um, was really struggling to fit in and then kind of like found her, found a group of people that she really identified with and they were all vegan and she wasn't. And, um, the the guilt and the shame that she put on herself because she wasn't a vegan and all of her new friends that she just wanted to fit in with so so badly were um, that she became vegan and I wonder I would never ask her this because it's not my business but I wonder if that was her motivation or if she really just did have a change of heart yeah it's hard to say because she could have been I mean they could have been a really good influence on her too because a lot of those people that do become vegan have that compassion and love for the animals right yeah, yeah. and they have that 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 you know mm-hmm. the, that this I guess that this is in the reason why I want to actually bring this up because there's a, a narrative that you hear a lot in the in that um, community which is uh, people that try to go vegan or people that tried to do the vegetarian thing. And then there's that sort of argument that comes in as, okay, well, where do you get your protein from? Mm-hmm. Right. And then there are mm-hmm. also people that are saying, okay, well, I tried being a vegan or a vegetarian for like six months and I got really, really sick. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Yeah. And the interesting thing that, that I, I noticed, like when I'm thinking really practical about it is like, you know, your body goes through almost like a withdrawal process mm-hmm. because completely ridding yourself of like refined sugars and um, the denseness of, you know, the energy that it's in certain type of foods mm-hmm. and meats kind of leaves you. Yeah. And I, I noticed I'm just going from my own personal experience. It took me some time to recover from that. Yeah. But once mm-hmm. I got into just more higher vibrational foods, like fruits and vegetables, it's unbelievable mm-hmm. how good you feel. Yeah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's like that spirit of that, plant is just moving through your body and it just produces like a joy and a lightness that you can't really Mm. explain unless you're there, Mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, that's a difficult thing to explain to somebody, but it's not really, I I, I imagine, and this is why I think, I think of like, okay, that is their journey. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, it's their journey to arrive at that point. And it does take some work to get to that. Yeah. You know, oh, for sure. Yeah. And the one thing that I'm getting from a lot of uh, the message and what you're talking about is like there's a spiritual component that a lot of people are missing in this whole thing. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I've kind of really my, my business is called Food, Body, and Soul. Yeah. yeah. Because I really am a huge proponent of bringing in that spiritual and soul journey part of it Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I have a lot of women that I work with and, and I don't market this when I talk about my business. I don't know if I'm there yet, but it, your relationship to food in your body can be a path to spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. In every single way. Mm -hmm. Um, I know it has for me, it has for the clients that I work with and yeah. 
I agree with that because it's like when you were, you were talking earlier about like you're peeling through the layers, the layers of conditioning, yes. the layers of things that mm-hmm. preventing uh, that are preventing us from really accessing that sort of like divine sort of source energy that exists. Right. Yes. And yes. what I imagine is hindering us from accessing that are all of our ideas and beliefs and, you know, obviously just various levels of conditioning, um, that we need to kind of sort through, which ultimately I feel like that the main journey is just self-love. It's like learning how to love (laughs) yourself. And if you loved yourself, then I'd imagine you'd be able to really, really pay attention and, and, and give that attention to your body, you know, that it really needs, you know, so that you're, you're no longer, I guess, um, you're, you're no longer allowing the body which is I, I just like a, a, a large factory of different neurochemicals mm-hmm. and reward <laughs> centers and yeah. neurotransmitters that um, we become addicted to if I, I imagine this spirit doesn't keep that ego in check. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, and something else, um, I think I might have lost it. Maybe it'll come back to me, <laughs> but it was something to piggy. It was really good too. I hate when that happens. Oh, oh um, man, you. it'll come to you. Yeah, when you get excited, that happens oh, to me on this. This podcast is it. This is time. it. This is it. Okay, so it was when you talked about self love, mm-hmm. and really that is the journey. A lot of it because when you can make those decisions of oh, you said you know fruits and vegetables, absolutely. Like yes. But how much better, I don't care how much kale you eat, if you're emotionally, spiritually disconnected from yourself, it's not going to be the same Mm -hmm. as if you are eating the kale or the fruit or the vegetable really from this integrated place of like, I love myself. I love this food. I love my life. I love it all. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I agree with that because it's like one one thing that, that at least happens for me, and it's been a really long journey um, with my relationship to food. I mean, I've been a vegetarian for a really, really long time. But once I started practicing that self-love that I had for myself, of course, that externalizes everything, externalizes out into the universe and everybody um, in every interaction that you have sort of like reflects that. You want to, you radiate it in some way, which is yes. now I care about the plants and I care about the animals. Yeah. I recognize mm-hmm. that I love them because I love myself. So there's obviously that integration mm. between me and my environment and the nature that I'm a part of, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. it's like, a, and I, I wanted to be good to myself. Like I wanted to, you know, just have the highest vibrational sort of energy running through my veins. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I did also acknowledge that I'm still a part of the polarity realm and I'll have a piece of pizza every now and again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing As wrong. you should. Yeah. 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 Or some hot. And cheese. then you don't beat yourself <laughs> up about it either. It's like, right. yeah. that's also the part of intuitive eating is removing the guilt yeah. and the shame from it all. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when we talked about the other day about the Tao, when yeah. we, were, we were talking about, um, it's not about how you make the toast. It's just about making the toast. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's okay if it's a little burned. It's yeah, because right. we were talking because Jen, um, Jen has very psychic sort of intuitive uh, abilities, and sometimes she smells different scents mm. in the rooms that she's in, 
and and sometimes she smells burnt toast for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's just one of the things. I and wonder what that could mean. I don't I know. know. But Eric did yeah. tell me that he, what astronaut was it that said that space smells like a burnt steak? Oh, there was, there was a guy that worked at, I believe, at J, JPL. He oh, said okay. that the universe yeah. actually smelled like a steak and sulfur, like yeah. burnt meat. Yeah. You know? <laughs> So I told her like if you're if, if, if yeah I told her like if you're smelling that in like a bedroom then it could be some sort of like multidimensional alien maybe the play maybe the Pleiadians are trying to get yeah, in contact with you maybe yeah. yeah so I did fact check myself and those that was two different studies so they're. <laughs> The Japanese guy that did the intermittent fasting that made that super popular. There was another study mm -hmm. um, that was with the uh, with the the monkeys on you know basically the same thing, just calorie restriction and how that affects your cells and yeah. the longevity of your life. So yeah. So what um, are some things that when you at least when you when you talk to your clients, what are some like um, what advice can you give to people that are coming that that have that are looking to lose weight and not necessarily take the route of going on a diet mm -hmm. or what would you say to uh, advice you can give to some people that are trying to overcome that sort of unhealthy relationship that they have with themselves and shaming themselves and things like that? Yeah. So actually one of the first questions that I ask them is, are you willing to put weight loss on the back burner? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. What a great question. I think about yeah. that whenever, and, and I'm thinking about a, a specific subset of people like bulimics and anorexics specifically, you know, that mm -hmm. that is their number one struggle is they cannot put weight loss on the back burner. It's in the forefront of their mind all of the time with every single thing that they do. That, what a good question, yeah. man. And so obvious yeah. too. Question. I love that. Yeah. yeah, are you willing to put weight loss on the back burner? Because if you're not willing to do that, you will, you will remain disconnected from your intuition. You will, you will remain disconnected from your body. Mm -hmm. um, and then if they're like hesitant, they're like, oh, I don't know, that feels scary. It's like, this is what you can imagine. You can imagine a computer screen and weight loss is one of the tabs, but it's in the way back. It's like, you know, behind intuitive eating, behind healing your inner child, it's it's back there. So maybe you're not comfortable with getting rid of it just yet and that's okay, mm -hmm. but are you willing to put it like down the end of your priority mm -hmm. priorities? Yeah. Um, and we start, we start working on ditching diet mentality. So intuitive eating, it was, it was founded by two registered dietitians, um, Elise, uh, Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. Mm -hmm. And this was back in the early 90s. And all of a sudden it had this upsurge in popularity, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, but where was I going with this? Sorry, I get off on tangents sometimes. Oh, um, it's okay. It's all right. It's it was putting weight loss on the back burner. Oh, yeah. so there's 10 principles that intuitive eating is based on. That's what I was getting at. Mm -hmm. um, so I use these principles throughout my coaching, mm -hmm. but then I also tie in energy healing and the spirituality component with it, mm -hmm. hence the soul part. 
but we go right into ditching diet mentality and starting to peel back those layers, starting to unravel the conditioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To get to return home, really. It's it's not about becoming anything. It's an unbecoming. I love no, that. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah. I love that. And that's something that we're like huge advocates of yeah. when it comes to a lot of the stuff that we talk about in this podcast. And it makes me think of uh, when the students, well, some people actually came up to Buddha and they're like, well, what did you gain from meditation? He was like, I didn't gain anything. Yeah. He's like, I'll tell you what I lost though. He's like, <laughs> yeah. all my anxieties, yeah. my it's stresses. Of, it's kind of like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I always, that's another thing I like to tell my clients is this isn't about becoming anything. This is actually unbecoming and returning home to your true essence, mm. um, which is intuition, which is unconditional love and mm. presence and all that good stuff. It's almost like you're going through a different door. Yeah. Right. Because mm-hmm. the thing is, yeah. it's like you're not making the weight loss or predominant like the, the primary thing. Weight loss comes as a result of that self-love, which yeah. pretty much moves everything else. Yeah, it sure does. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, that, I mean, that's just like a perfect example of, I guess, our Western culture. That's like they want to put Band-Aids on bullet wounds. Right. Mm-hmm. They want to yep. like, yeah. they want to treat symptoms and not like the root of the problem. Right. And every single way possible. We talked about in the episode a couple episodes back about depression and mm-hmm. SSRIs and things like that too, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is just another one of those things where it's like, we want a quick solution to something without having to do the work to yeah. really inquire with ourselves mm-hmm. and sit with yeah. all the different, I imagine, just realms of conditioning that prevent us from really getting at it, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And, and you know what happens if you don't take care of this stuff in this life, you're going to take care of it in the afterlife. It's not going to go away. So you got to, <laughs> you got to face it and yeah. deal with it and, you know, do your inner child work and yeah, you, you can know. do it a million times if you want to. Yeah. Sure you know? can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Tyler's a bodhisattva. She's actually yeah. ascended already. Yeah. <laughs> and she, I don't know about she's that. She's just like, yeah. oh, I got to go back and just, can help. help everybody else yeah. out. You know yeah, I mean? she's just, the food according, angel on earth. According to a psychic medium, I I saw this is my soul's last lifetime. So oh, see, oh, cool. I know it. Yeah, I know see it because mm-hmm. that's that's mine too. That's that's mine too. It's probably Jen's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Should I hope so? And then, yeah. And then, and, then, and then we're flying off this bitch. Yeah. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> yeah, because they're doing all this type of work, but. I, I really, really respect the fact that you integrate the spiritual component with um, the food and yeah. helping people change yeah, their relationship, that. not to food by the food, but by having them, I guess, cultivate more self-love. So the type of people yes. that come to you, are they people that are more privy to the sort of spiritual underpinning of this type of modality? Or are these people that are typically- I'm like, surprise! Yeah. 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 <laughs> Surprise, so, we're going to talk about your parents. And they're like, wait, yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> I was here to talk no, about a diet. <laughs> I know. No, it's really funny you ask that because if you were to talk to me a year ago, mm. I would have not said anything about spirituality yeah. whatsoever. Mm. But this is what ended up happening is I, I started my business and then I came up with the name Food, Body and Soul. And I was already into my own spiritual practice mm-hmm. and my own awakening. But then I started taking on clients and I started to notice this common thread. Um, and that was, they were, they needed that soul piece. They, mm-hmm. they needed that connection to their heart. Mm-hmm. They needed, you know, 
meditation, mm-hmm. spirituality, um, connecting to their guides and mm-hmm. their soul, higher self and all that stuff. And really um, expanding their conscious consciousness. That's mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. like what ended up happening and myself included. Mm-hmm. Uh, so naturally I started attracting clients that were more privy to, you know, that spiritual woo-woo stuff. Woo. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Attracted to the woo. Love the woo. Um, <laughs> and it's funny, I'm kind of in this transition now where I'm starting to talk about it more openly. Um, there's not a lot of dietitians or intuitive eating counselors that incorporate this component. Oh, so you weren't doing it all before. Or you were doing it more just sort of... I was under the radar. I was like in the spiritual closet, I guess you could say. Would you say that's like Um, a reflection of kind of like your own journey and your own self-discovery? It's sort of like unfolding around the same time that your sort of spirituality is unfolding too? Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a wild ride. Um, And it's super exciting, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I get super pumped about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it can definitely be scary when, you know, in certain spaces, the topic, if I were to talk about energy healing or chakras or, mm-hmm. you know, spirit guides and things, people look at me like I'm absolutely like I've lost it, you know? Yeah. So I was really excited when you guys reached out to me because I was like, oh, sweet. Like, we can talk about spiritual stuff and people won't think I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's in, in the reason in it's the most sustainable piece. Like when you have those clients that come in and you say they're not as versed in the, the, the spiritual part and they, they want a very systematic sort of like cut and paste sort of way. It's like, I just think like you could do that for a while, but it's like you said at the beginning of the podcast, it's like, it'll eventually just sort of die away. Yeah. But the one thing it's like you're trying to get them more connected with that sort of that that eternal source within you, that ever yes. flowing sort mm-hmm. of love that yeah. is always always permeating your being. The only thing you have to do is just learn to pay attention to that. Yeah. Yes. And that's something that can't be taken away from you. That's right. right? Exactly. And I think that's there was totally a, right. a quote by uh, I think Deepak Tropper where he was just like, you know, don't uh don't don't put. Uh, I'm gonna preface this because yeah. I don't have like the exact quote. But he's like, you know, don't put all of your 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 emphasis on um, objects and specific things because those things can be taken away from you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's just more about like finding that which is within that cannot be taken. Yes. Like nobody yeah. can take your divinity away from you, right? So it's right. Like, yeah. why not embody that? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, what I love that. I love that this is part of your light work and and you're attracting clients and helping to expand their knowledge base too, right? Like that's that's part of yeah. it. I think that's awesome. I I've never yeah. until you I've never met some someone who is doing this type of light work, which I think is really important and and it's such a huge part of our life, right? You know, the food that you mm-hmm. put in your body is your is your fuel and having that yeah. mind body connection is so important. Even even if you listen to famous 
you know, fitness models and, you know, whatever, they always talk about the mind-body connection um, whenever they're exercising. They're like, oh, you know, I really focus on my glutes whenever I'm doing this or, you know, exercise to get that mind-body connection to help, you know, the muscles grow. So mm-hmm. they're even thinking about it on a spiritual level and may- maybe not even putting that together. Mm-hmm. Not con- not yeah. quite connecting the dots, but. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's been, um and a lot of the sessions that I lead will be intuitive mm-hmm. in that, um, like for instance, a client of mine, we were doing, working on healing her and her child and she was back home and I immediately saw her in like this pink room. Mm. And I just kind of got a nudge to be like, do you, is your room pink at at your house, you know? And she was like, it was, we just painted over it. Mm. Um, But that was the color that my room was when I was growing up. Mm. Um, Or just working on uh, using all the clairs essentially Mm -hmm. to kind of help someone tap into that core emotion and that core wound. Mm that is perpetuating maladaptive relationships to food and their body and their internal dialogue to themselves. Um, yeah, a lot of trapped emotions in our bodies too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, releasing those trapped emotions so that you can have that stream of consciousness easier versus, you know, your chakras being blocked and like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and when you do that, when you yeah. when you when you're going through this curriculum with them, do you put an emphasis on um, pointing them more towards the the vegetarian vegan type of lifestyle or that type of diet, or is just all across the board? You know, if, if just I don't point them in them? any direction. Mm, I see. But I will say that I have had clients who, towards the end of working together, she's like. I just, I'm being called to eat more plant-based and it's Mm -hmm. coming from a totally different place than it would have if she was still caught in diet culture. Um, but I don't push anything. I really, you know, I take an empowerment model approach and really want to empower the individual to make their own decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting. I had uh, an interesting food thing come up last week. So I watched this documentary called um, uh, My Octopus Teacher. Mm. And I don't know if either of you have seen this, but it is excellent. Highly recommend. Um, and it's about a man that lives in South Africa and he's a, and he starts diving and he um, comes in contact with an octopus and he dives every single day um, to visit this octopus and then they form a relationship and this octopus like communicates with him on a total alien level yeah. and they just have this like love and respect for each other and um, it's just it, after watching that documentary I mean it was very sad too. Um, oh don't say what I'm not gonna to I'm not octopus. gonna say what happens but yeah. it's a sad ending. That was the octopus. Yeah. And, <laughs> and after that, I, um, and I love seafood. I've, I always have, um, but I will never eat an octopus again. I just, after well, watching that, that is, yeah. is that calamari? Is that the same it's thing? Calamari. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I'll never eat it again. Yeah. They're, it's, they're just too intelligent. I just they're, don't can do really it. Yeah. Yeah, they're too intelligent. Mm. Yeah. 
They are aliens. I feel like they're, they're aliens. aliens. Yeah. yeah. I think the, <laughs> I think the Arcturians came and dropped them off. Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. Like them and, and dolphins. <laughs> yes. You yes. know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do know what you're saying. The dolphins are, are basically like Pleiadians. I yeah. Feel. I mean, just watching, watching this octopus um, change texture and color, grow mm-hmm. horns. Yeah. I mean, uh, to disguise itself. And then she, um, it's a female octopus. And um, she did something that, you know, I've never seen an octopus do, but um, I hid out in the open and just grabbed all these shells and um, put shells all, all on the outside of her into this like weird shell ball. And really? even the fish would swim by it like, what the hell is that? You know, and kind of look at it funny and like, ooh, maybe I'll back away. I'm not sure what that is. Yeah. Um, as a mechanism of, of protection. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting. So it's almost like, like, uh, it points to animals being more intelligent than we think. Right. Oh yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. More, more sentient than we think. Like it's crazy when you're young, they don't kind of teach you these things, but as you get older and you start realizing like elephants, they know that they exist as elephants. Like if yeah. you put a, a mirror in front of an elephant, like it knows that it's looking at itself. You know? Oh man. Don't get me started on the elephants. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah. But that's just like being, being in tune with I guess the love that you have just for yourself, I feel like you'll, your intuition will naturally start picking up these sort of behaviors in animals mm-hmm. and mm. made me just naturally develop more, obviously more compassion and love for them. But, and this is something that came up for me too, which is that doesn't mean like if I was in nature and I was looking for food and there was nothing around except for <laughs> right. like one deer that I don't think like source wants me to die for my morals. Right. 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 I will do it in the most mindful giving things to the animal using mm-hmm. the entire right. animal, you know, yeah. but I think that's it. And like kind of what, what you're saying is just like trying to not be so out of touch with what it is that you're consuming and putting into your body. It's just more about like being very, very mindful of mm-hmm. that whole process, almost like its own little ritual, right? It's like this yeah. own little yeah. practice. Yeah, yeah. Like Native yeah. American culture, where they use every single piece of the animal, and and it's a, a spiritual gift from the gods to yeah. provide them with food and and you know the hide for to keep them warm and X, Y, and Z. So it's, it's funny yeah. when people ask me now if I'm a vegetarian, I tell them that I'm not. I tell them that I just eat fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. there you go. <laughs> I like that. I really like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because then you get into those. Are you vegetarian? No, I just eat fruits and vegetables. Exactly, yeah. and they're just like, yeah. Well, huh? What? Yeah, because then that identity isn't there. It's right. like, no, it's just like, yeah, right. I eat a lot of plants. Yeah, it's like you get out of <laughs> you get out of the whole like having to label everything. Yeah, I, I very, totally jive with that. I love yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, and I can I can definitely tell, and that's a really really good thing because you know I read a lot of books, a lot of like Eastern spiritually themed books, Hinduism, Advaita Vedanta, like Buddhism, and a lot of those really sacred Eastern teachings are about just that. So the fact mm-hmm. that you've found a way to integrate that in with something that's you know very complex in our culture yeah. as far as when it comes to dieting and you can make it about a process of self-love is really beautiful thing yeah i love yeah. that too yeah. so if you had one thing that you wanted to leave with our listeners about your practice mm-hmm. and what you do and relationships with food what would that be mm. it would be Whew. I know it's, it's a hard, that's a hard question, right? Like one thing, just one thing. Just one thing. Oh, like, you know, as much as she's going to channel right now. Yeah. You got to channel it. Just channel it. Yeah. <laughs> I would, 
I would want them to leave with that inner knowing that everything that you need is already available to you. It's already within you. Um, and that same story of, you know, returning home to your true essence, that you can trust yourself, that you're worthy of love and belonging, no matter what food or what a number says on a scale, that okay. you are a divine being. And mm. that's yeah. beautiful. That is really beautiful. Oh. Oh, my kid, yeah. right in my heart chakra. Oh, my, my heart chakra. My heart chakra is my strongest chakra. So, oh, yeah. Perhaps that's why. It's apparently, it's like, it's wide open. It's like, yeah. wow. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be careful, actually. Oh, yeah. What is your star sign? Um, Guess. Uh, let's guess. Wait, wait. Me and Jen are good at this kind of stuff. So, I'm, I'm a Libra sun and, and, uh, Gemini moon and then Jen is an Aquarius and, and, and uh, a Gemini moon too. So we both have Gemini moon, okay. which is probably why we're sitting okay. in this chair right now. Yeah. But, okay. Um, so let's see. Are you guessing? Uh, what are y'all's rising? Do you know your rising? Wait, are you a Taurus? Are you a Taurus? No, no, no. Taurus. no okay. I, I, I give my try away. It's your turn. Okay. I, I am going to guess either. And they're so different. So either a Sagittarius or an Aries. Okay, so I'm a Libra son. Oh, how did, <laughs> I not how did get you that? not get that? <laughs> I was being too ambitious. Jen. Yeah, I, I I'm a Libra son. My birthday is actually next weekend. Um, oh, happy birthday! Thank yeah, you. Happy birthday! Yeah. Happy solar, ha, happy solar return. That would be both of us, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I am. Is a, yours October third? What's yours? My, well, actually, not mine's October thirteenth, but I am a Libra. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah, and then my moon is um, Scorpio, and my rising is Pisces. Oh, man. The past Pisces is my rising, too. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh. yeah. That's <laughs> so there you have it. Hi. Yeah, there's a lot of water in my chart. A lot of, like... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, All thank right. you for sharing that. That's yeah, really well, always thanks. interesting. Well, it was lovely to have you. Thank you so much mm. for taking the time to yes. come on and talk with us about. Yeah. And anybody that's uh, interested in, in checking her out, she's actually, she's got an Instagram, which is very active. We see a lot of her videos. She does a lot of really cool shit. She actually. She does. She yeah. Has, she has her, her IGTV videos, but she has some like really awesome, amazing dance routines. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast. But she, <laughs> we didn't do dance She, she can boogie. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> she can boogie, Jen. It's all about joyful you. movement. Yeah. That's joyful movement. Game. I love that. Yeah. She's doing like the yeah. Charleston to some Fleetwood Mac. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My kind of girl. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and anybody that's that actually, let's see if I have her. Yeah. She can be found at tyler.rolling.rd on Instagram. And then her Facebook is food, body, and soul. And then she also just has her website. If you guys wanted to go directly to the source, which is kind of what we've been talking about, going yeah. directly to the source. Go right? to the source. Yeah. Go directly to the yes. source. TylerRollingRD.com. Yeah. And that's where we can yeah. find it. Is there any, any other places that we might be able to find you? Or is that pretty much all the, those are all the places, right? Those are all, those the, are all the places. I'm, I'm thinking I'll get a YouTube channel eventually. Oh, that's yeah. up next. Um, but for now, yeah, Instagram, Facebook, and then my website. On your website. Yeah. Thank you so much for spending time with us and chatting with us today. It's been really enlightening, very interesting. And I'm. It was such a pleasure. Yeah. 
Yeah, and we'll definitely talk to you soon. And whenever you get a chance, when you're actually down here in the OC area, you should come yeah. down to the studio. And, yeah, absolutely. And, I would love that. Yeah, yeah. we got a, we got a seat yeah. over here just waiting for you and a microphone. I know. Yeah. That human connection, it's so good. So exactly. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Have Yay. a good one. Thank you so much. Namaste. We'll see you soon.